An Irish independent digital subscription doesn't just get you the news. It gets you the best of Ireland's stories all in one place. Whether it's the best of politics, business, sport, entertainment or lifestyle. Get it all for just €4 Euro a month for 12 months when you first subscribe. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish independent. Terms and conditions apply. Cancel any time. Shachtan. An Indo. Askeilige. Time in mon Iraq the end of Chacht Erachor. Agasuligum a Makan Shah, Gurfader Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfame. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Pashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, Unkeschen Echol. Vientalam Aginam Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Yatakshetarin Griven, Orkarston, Elis Duhalagus Kiminafracht, Gora Kligsar Dukashen Echor. Only Venown, Thardarakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Whether you like that or not, that's a fact. Like I, I didn't see that money. That didn't come into my pocket. It didn't come into air, air setup. Air setup was no different to most counties. But unfortunately, we have this narrative in GAA, particularly football, that no, we shouldn't really look towards getting better and looking at the things they've done to get better. What we'll do is we look for excuses. Hello and welcome to this week's throw-in with Dublin legend Philly McMahon. Well, as Dublin and Mead prepare to face each other in Sunday's Leinster semi-final, Mead boss Andy McEntee has previously suggested that splitting Dublin is something that has to be considered to counter the Dubs' dominance in Leinster and the football championship in general. Now, it's an argument that has quietly retreated since the Dubs lost their All-Ireland crown last year and were relegated to Division 2, but it's sure to raise its head again during the summer if the Dubs are successful again. So, for this week's podcast... Philly and the Irish independents Conor McKeown set out to counter the argument that says population size or finances have anything to do with the Dublin GA's superiority over the last decade. I suppose as a player, when I was listening to small snippets of this argument around Dublin's dominance and you know the finances and the population and stuff like that, it was something that I certainly and, and certainly the players within that camp didn't really take huge notice of because... Um, we knew what it took to win an All-Ireland. We knew how hard it was. We knew all the pieces that had to come together for us to be successful every year that we did it. Um, and it was interesting to hear players that have won All-Irelands. Um, a lot of them would 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 kind of dismiss the whole argument around population and and, and, uh, and finance. And then you had the odd one or two jumping in saying, you know, it, it it it's it's too much. We need change and stuff like that. Um, the probably disappointing thing for me um, was that there was definitely teams and players and individuals from other counties that didn't win all rounds who were entitled to their opinion by by all means. But it, it's very hard to give your opinion on something like that if you have never really got to that space or you know you haven't really found what it takes to get to there. For you to be dismissive and say. Yeah, you got there because of money and you got there because of your population. Um, I'm sure there's loads of different arguments for it, but for me, it's 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 I could never put my finger on how I benefited financially to help me win all Ireland, how I benefited from the population. And look, I suppose I'm just coming from my experiences. Like I come from a club, a small club. Right, people think Ballymun Kickham is a very big club because of the rep- representation we have at Dublin. It's not; it's a small club. 
yet we compete every year, yet we have a high representation of Dublin players, and yet we've won Dublin championships, we've won a Leinster. And there's loads of examples. You go through the club scene, you go through Kerry, Kilkenny, the All Blacks, you name it uh, in terms of population. But for me, um, it's it, it can be disrespectful for the clubs, the coaches, um, the individuals, for all of that work they've put in to narrow it down to those two things for me. Okay, let's just have a listen out to what Colin Cooper said uh, two years ago. We're reaching a tipping point here, and I think there's an acceptance of that across the country that the Dubs could go on here and win 10 in a row. I think we are reaching that point. I think people are genuinely concerned. Um, you can talk about the venues. You can talk about the financial support that they get. That's all been documented before. We need a whole night to go through that sort yeah. of stuff. But I just wonder, what sort of appetite? Are the people maybe at the top of the GA, are they, are they satisfied where the game is going? Are they satisfied with how, how the competition is? Or is the gap widening this? And I think, I think it probably is. And the evidence is there. If you look at, if you look what Dublin have won matches by in 2020, they've won by 17 points, averaging yeah. in, in campaigns, 14 points in 2019, 13 points in 2018. Dublin people will say, well, the finals have been close and there's been a point and replays and different things. And that's okay, but that's one game over a season. Mm. Um, and a couple of weeks time, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I think there is genuine concern. And I think we are reaching a really, really critical point in that, in that juncture. And when you refer to the GA, there you think something needs to be changed. Is it? Well, I just wonder about the strategy. There's like, is there, is there an appetite here to maybe relook at the financing? Do other counties need more support? Like, there's no doubt that they've received huge, huge financial support. Mm. Okay, and they've they've probably created a monster by doing that. And Dublin have operated fantastically. So he just mentioned there, uh, Connor, about it being a tipping point. What does that tipping point look like now in 2022? Well, I don't know. I was never really, um, I was never really taken with any of these arguments because people would generally throw them out when Dublin won, and then they could say, "Well, you know, the, you know, Dublin dominance is bad for." And I suppose the cause celeb here is the weaker counties. But like, say for instance, you split Dublin tomorrow, or say for instance, you 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 just got rid of Dublin altogether from the football championship tomorrow. The beneficiaries of that aren't going to be the weaker counties. The beneficiaries of that are going to be Kerry like, and Mayo and Tyrone. Um, so say we take Dublin out of the equation. Say we like, you know, go the ultimate sacrifice and say, right, right. Dublin are ruining this. Let's take them out of the equation. What's the difference? Like, the difference is Kerry will win four of the next six All-Irelands. Mayo might sneak one and Tyrone will win one. Like, will everything be okay then? Like you're going after you're going after the symptoms as opposed as opposed to going after the problem. And you know you take the Leinster situation, like twelve a team winning twelve cha- championships in a row in the province is a disaster situation, an absolute disaster situation. But if Dublin had not been there, like which of the Leinster teams would have mounted a decent All Ireland bid? Yeah, they would have won a Leinster title. Obviously, they would. But none of, there was no team in that period at all that would have done. Because the, the evidence there will show you that none of them have gone through the back door after losing in Leinster and gone on to an All-Ireland semi-final or an All-Ireland final. Next year, Mead, Kildare and Dublin are in Division 2 of the league. The other eight teams in, the, in Leinster would be in Division 3 and Division 4. And there's only one or two of those teams that has to go through the hell of playing Dublin in the Leinster Championship every year anyway and taking that big beating that is so dispiriting. So... You know, like if people want to say, okay, we, we don't want Dublin there because we prefer if Kerry and Mayo would win the All-Ireland every year, that's fine. But dressing it up as kind of, you know, if you take Dublin out of it, all of a sudden the counties that are in Division 3, Division 4 that are in Leinster are going to flourish. That's just not going to happen. It's, it's absolutely not going to happen.
And I don't think anybody's saying, you know, take Dublin out of the occasion, but equally, you can't dismiss the fact that uh, population and funding are factors here. They are absolutely factors, but so are so many other things. And this is my point. You know, I interview a lot of players um, from counties that aren't successful and they will say, yeah, of course, if they had a bigger pick, um, you know, the potential to have a better team is there. Of course, if they had unlimited funds or more funds, the potential to have a better setup is there. But there are also huge areas for improvement. The inches to improve are all around them. Sometimes there's a substandard setup um, and the whole thing you tend to find from my experience of talking to players in counties um, that are struggling, that is the vicious circle. Yet players could commit more time and effort and commitment in some situations. But if the environment isn't conducive to that or you don't feel it, it's probably worth it, you're not going to do it. And if the environment, in some cases, a county board isn't really set up. So I think that there is an onus on the GAA to improve this from the bottom up. Um, but focusing on the very, very top, like who wins the All-Ireland every year, particularly in a situation where Dublin were so close in all those finals. I know like when the biggest county with the biggest population and the biggest resources win the All-Ireland, it's not a, ca- a cause for a national celebration anywhere outside of Dublin. That's the nature of this thing. But I'm not sure what it would solve if somehow we split Dublin in two tomorrow. I, I, like, I, I don't know. Like the sacrifice of doing that, for instance, um, I think it would, would far outweigh any benefits to the All-Ireland series because you'd be taken out, you know, one of the counties that's very readily identifiable for a lot of people. Um, and you'd be taken out, I suppose, people's sense of place for, a, you know, a million or so people who are interested in the GAA in Dublin. So I suppose all these arguments get conflated and thrown into the same kind of melting pot. Um, and the solution is always somehow... Um, that Dublin are, are, are the issue at play here. And in some cases, that might be uh, this, the story. But I think there, there's, there's far, far more. If, if every county, I'm not sure, for instance, we spoke about Mickey Hart and Loud a few times already this year, for instance. So in two years, they bring in a really good trainer, a really good manager, and they've made huge improvements. So like, are there many counties that are in Leinster, for instance, that could be said to be getting the most out of themselves? If they went from a, a top to bottom review, how they coach underage players, how they bring them into setups, how they hold on to them and how they nurture them and the environment they create for them at the top level and the expertise that they bring in. I'm not sure that there's many counties that could honestly hold their hands up and say, we're actually maxing out on everything we have. Because in that situation, well, then that's they're, they're exactly the counties that you go after and you try and fund more and you bring, um, you know, you bring more people into it. But the thing about the population is it's only going to get bigger. So like, I'm, I'm not really sure what people want to do about it because, um, and I think it's it's worth having the split up in debate now when it's not an issue because you know the population change hasn't made any difference, but it just goes to show you what people's motivations were for having it in the first place. This was only an issue when Dublin were winning the All Ireland every year, and now that they didn't win it last year, and the suspicion is that they're not going to do it this year, people aren't really bothered with it anymore. So, Connor, surely you're not suggesting that people have an ulterior motive there. That must really piss you off, Philly. I mean, if people think that you know funding population automatically means success. Yeah, like, and, and the, the, the big thing for me is um, I was there when we didn't win all Ireland. I was there with the, with the uh, just obviously there was 16 years before we won an all Ireland, but I was there in 2008 where we were struggling to get over the line um, against the likes of Tyrone, against Kerry, um, Armaz and, and, and Males to an extent before that. So, um, yeah, look, I, 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 the key thing here for me is that there's so much, like, you have to remember, the reason why there's so 
much transferable information around corporate companies and sport is their organizations. Okay. And in organizations, there's so many pieces that have to be right to, to get your ultimate vision or your goal. Right. So my key thing here is the, the cause and effect. So we have the cause of a team doing really well. And as Connor mentioned, do we just look at that as an issue or do we look at, kind of, can, is there other things we can get better at here? And in every sport you look at, that's generally what happens. In business, that's what happens. You do well, your, your competitor looks at what you're doing and says, do you know what, we need to up our game here. They up their game and then it happens the opposite way. So for me, uh, and it's not one thing, I guarantee you, if you put that money that um, any, you know, there was an argument that Dublin were getting too much money, but if you, and you know, obviously there's, there's, a, there's a reason where that money was going to in terms of the club level and stuff like that. Huge amount of that didn't go into inter-county, the inter-county setup, it went into the clubs. Um, so whether you like that or not, that's a fact. Like I, I didn't see that money. That didn't come into my pocket. It didn't come into our, our setup. Our setup was no different to most counties. You know, we had a backroom team full of volunteers, we didn't have a centre of excellence. We're not complaining about that by any means. We had a pitch. We had a lovely changing room that we, we got changed in and we had a meeting room. It was what we needed, you know, but we didn't. Uh, again, we haven't had somebody come out and say, you know, while this argument was going on, that we don't see the benefit of this. Like, the, the, like we've got the support and we got, you know, looked after as best the management could give us and the county board could give us. But, we didn't, well, people are making it out to be in terms of we were nearly professional, professionally paid and we were getting meals and stuff like that outside of uh, outside of the meals we were getting the training and stuff like that, all these little things. Um, this is what happens when you're successful. And, and I'm sure at any sport, when you see a team that's dominant, other teams will look at that and say, well, how do we get there? But unfortunately, we have this narrative in GAA, particularly football, that no, we shouldn't really look towards getting better and looking at the things they've done to get better. What we'll do is we look for excuses to 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 kind of look at why they've been successful, which is that's that's in my eyes that's disrespectful, and that's and, and again as I said, everybody's entitled their opinion, but I'm giving you my opinion as a player what I've seen, what I've benefited from, and and my opinion on these arguments are I just don't think they're. There is a huge amount of the, the people that are arguing that those points that have been in the change rooms of a successful all Ireland team. So you're saying basically that the huge backroom team that you would have had, that they would have been made up of volunteers, because that would have been one of the arguments that you had the money to have such a large backroom team. And, you know, we also have heard like this kind of sense of oneness that Jim Gavin would have created with you. And like that was coming and being driven by him as well. I don't think if Jim Gavin had a pot of money there and he brought in the best coach in the country to train us, that. That'll have an impact, but it doesn't necessarily transfer to us winning an All-Ireland. So that's what I'm talking about. It's it's so diverse. It's There's so many complex issues within that. Like it's it's the buy-in of the players, it's the it's the environment, it's the culture, it's how you communicate. There's like it's it's layered up like so much that money can't be it's the, the, the fix for it, like you know. Um and, and there's, there's lots of people that would say, well, you look at soccer and you look at the, you know, the teams that are doing well in England and you've got two kind of opposite teams. You know, Liverpool are doing really well at the minute, but they haven't spent as much as Manchester City, like, you know. Um, 
So you look at the, if you were Man City, you'd be kind of saying, well, hold on, what do Liverpool, if Liverpool win the league in the Champions League this year, what, what have they got that Man City don't have? Is it culture? Is it, is it a certain kind of environment? These are things you just can guess, like, you know. But we can't say for definite as facts that the reason why ultimately a sporting team or an individual wins is just money. It's not just money. Like, it's, it just can't be that. Yeah, and I suppose, Connor, we see that as well with the likes of the Dublin Hurlers. That's also the counter-argument to the money um, argument is that, you know, they haven't done as well as the footballers. You know, the Dublin minor footballers haven't won. So there is that argument there as well to back up what Philly's saying. Well, the Dublin example is a funny one because people talk about money and then they talk about the Dublin senior footballers. And like the money that Dublin get, you know, from the GAA and the reason that they get it is because they have the biggest population and there are large, large swathes of the city in the area of the biggest population where people don't play GA and there's no tradition of GAA because you know like tradition is the best driver for the participation of Gaelic games you know like you can see it all around the country you can see it in certain parts of Dublin but when you have new developments of people who have no necessary like link to one another and in some cases no link to this country it costs an awful lot of money to get Gaelic game going in that situation now I understand why people in other counties don't really care or see the value in that, but that's what all the money that goes into Dublin GA gets spent on. And you can see it all over the place. It's to develop pitches. It's to get land in a part of the country where the land is the most expensive. And the GPOs have been a great success. But again, I think people have this notion that it, it like, it, or sorry, yeah, GPO or, or a GDA, or is that what they're called now? They have a couple of different names, the Games Promotion Officers. But in a lot of cases, what they do in Dublin, and I just know this from experience, is the link between the school, the primary school and the local GAA club, which is like as natural to a lot of people in a lot of parts of Ireland as the link between the post office and the pub. You know, you go from one to the other, but, but they they forge that link. You know, they bring kids who could, you know, may never play any kind of sport and they keep them interested. So the GPOs in Dublin, and I know this for a fact, their biggest benefit of their existence and the expansion of those roles is in driving up numbers. It's not that they hand over, you know, 30 elite level 11 year olds over to the club and say, now you can go off and sort of coach them to win a, a Fela or a, or a Dublin minor title. That's not what they do. So that's, the, that's why, like, like why have Dublin hurlers not been successful, you know, to the same extent as the Dublin footballers? Because there's not the same culture of hurling in, in Dublin as there is in football. Like Dublin have been very competitive of underage but in hurling, but they still haven't won a minor or an under-21 All-Ireland, let alone a senior All-Ireland. So, you know, like if they did win a senior All-Ireland really quickly, you'd nearly be kind of worried, you know, had they won one 10 years ago when the money started to flow in, then you could have said, well, look, you know, if we start pumping money in everywhere else, maybe everyone would be competitive. But like what you're talking about is getting people involved um, and that pathway. And like Dublin were hugely successful at underage level before like Philly's team started winning senior All-Irelands. They won, was it four or five under 21 or under 20 All-Irelands in the space of 10 years. That level of success has kind of dropped off, um, not for any sort of obvious reason other than the crops coming through um, haven't been quite as strong and like it's absolutely inevitable that that would be reflected at senior level. Like the, you know, the idea that you just churn numbers in and 
you know, it's a bit like the monkeys with the typewriters. You know, if you if you put enough people through the system, one of them will turn into Brian Fenton. That's just not a guarantee. But like, what it does guarantee is that I don't think we'll have a situation over the next twenty years where Dublin aren't all Ireland contenders. I don't think we'll ever go back to the days where Dublin will be losing first round of the Leinster Championship and you know floating around, um, you know, out around you know tenth place in the overall rankings. But the idea that you know, if the money and the population argument was fact, well, given the way the population trends are going in this country, actually the last 10 years would only have been the tip of the iceberg. And I don't think that's going to be the case. Well, Andy McEntee seemed to be uh, feeding into that uh, population argument from what he said a few years ago when he was on that infamous Sunday game discussion with uh, Pat Gilroy. Yeah, I thought it was a strange thing for him to do at the time, given that he was, you know, active mead manager and is still kind of mead manager. Um, and like, you know, Mead have a huge population as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, if, if you have to apply the same principles, but like Andy McAdee will know at ground level in Mead that, that like Mead have made, are one of the communities that have made huge strides at underage level, haven't initially been left behind, you know, when the big surge was coming on from Dublin and other counties in, into how to harness um, and put a structure on your underage talent to make sure that they do find an easy path to the elite level mead were actually originally left behind they have corrected that now so i'd imagine the mead manager in five or six years time if it's still andy McEntee, will have far more to work with than he has done um but um now if the population argument checks out in dublin like there are more ga players registered ga players in cork and cork aren't sort of at the top of the 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 pile at the moment in hurling or football so i think you have to apply it across the board you know yeah, so is it almost that no excuse culture, Philly, for you know the likes of Meath? But you know, I can see where they're coming from as well. Well, first of all, if 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 my manager was saying the reason why you're getting beaten over the years is because of population and money, well, then what's the point in actually showing up? Because you can't control that, can you? If you're a player, so if I was a Meath player and my manager was saying this team that's beating us, so this team we're playing next, um, you basically are not going to win because. Like they have more money and they have bigger population. What's the point of going out and playing for that manager? Um, so that's quite that's quite difficult to. I would I would imagine if Pat was my manager and Pat was on the was on the discussion panel with him, if Pat was there and he was saying those things, I'd be saying to Pat, Pat, hold on a second here. Like that's not the case. We are here to, you know, we we put the time and effort in, and you put the time and effort in, and this is sport this is what this is what sport this is the enjoyable part of sport and the complexities of sport that you pull a group together you pull an environment in they put the group in that environment in a really high optimal environment to help it succeed and get over the line and that journey itself is the special part you know you don't need to know how to go on that journey but you, you can mess around with the theory of it and get to a stage where you kind of say to yourself you know what well, it wasn't that fun at the end of it Whereas if you, if you change the rules because someone's successful, where's the fun in that? Did you ever talk about a Philly? Like within, like did, it, did, did you feel it ever no. kind of undermined or tarnished anything or did you use it as a motivating factor? No, we never. We, honest to God, we now, I'd say if we did, we never spoke about it because we knew what it took to win in all Ireland. We knew all the pieces of the jigsaw. Um, and that's what I'm saying. Like, It's like, imagine somebody telling you, how to do something that they have never done. Like imagine uh, somebody else saying, this is how you go and win an All-Ireland and you've won an All-Ireland and you're saying, how, how can you tell me how to win an All-Ireland when you've never done it? But yet you're coming up with these two reasons why I've won the All-Ireland but you've never done it. How does that make sense? 
that's what I'm saying. People's opinions are, are totally entitled to opinions and uh, conversations around, you know, how teams are successful and how teams are not successful are, 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 are ripe in, in the GA world. But there should never be, it, like, it, you'll never hear somebody come out that's one in All-Ireland and say, I won an All-Ireland because of money and population. Never. Have you ever heard that? Never will you ever hear that? So for me, um, as someone that is very lucky to win one and know what it takes to win it, I, I can also give my opinion that that I don't believe money and money and population are the main reasons uh, that, that teams win All-Irelands. Will this be back on the table, Connor, again this year? I will have done win the All-Ireland. That's probably the short answer to the question. Um, Although I think there'll be a different story if Dublin win the All-Ireland. Like, I can't see them steamrolling their way all the way to Sam McGuire this year. So um, I think when, you know, if they have close games with, I mean, at this stage, it looks very likely that there's going to be an All-Ireland semi-final between Dublin and Kerry. And I just cannot imagine one team steamrolling the other in that game. So, like, I don't know whether the whole conversation will kind of settle down you know, if Dublin are kind of part of the pack as opposed to what they seem to be for the pre for say the second half of the decade when they were going for five in a row, when they actually seem to be out in front of the pack. Because I can get it, like it's so dispiriting, like it's so dispiriting for other counties. And even the Mayo thing, like, you know, they were kind of the nation's sweethearts when it came to Gaelic football. Everybody was winning them over the line. And I think everybody felt their pain. And um, the way it was kind of expressed there was that people wanted to see the back of Dublin. But like the, the big thing about, you know, the, the money aspect of it when it comes to so like the pro- problem is, like, as we all know, the GA inter-county teams, there's a huge amount of secrecy around them. There's massive secrecy around how they train, how they prepare, what it is they do. Trying to get a manager to answer a straight question about something that goes on in their setup now. is So there's a value on secrecy. And the issue there is if you don't tell anybody what to do, and then you keep winning left, right, and center. People will presuppose or they make assumptions about what you do. But like I might be, I might, I, I, I'm not clear on behalf of Philly here. But I would imagine the most influential people to Dublin winning five in a row, not in any particular order, were Jim Gavin, Stephen Clucks, and Declan Darcy, and maybe Jason Sherlock. And um, like they weren't there because of you know they weren't there because of money. You know, I'd be fairly certain that none of them uh, picked up any checks at the end of the month. So. Yeah, like I, I understand why people kind of go for the obvious, um, the obvious reasons because they don't know anything else about it. But um, yeah, but know. um, just like Gooch said, it was a tipping point, Philly. So why would he say it? Like he knows everything about the game. Why would he say that it has reached tipping point when he's won all Ireland's? Sinead, I don't know. You'd have to ask him to be honest. Um, it's not something that I would be saying if I if Kerry won an all Ireland this year, you know, um, because obviously when when it does change, which he knows it has changed in the past, it was carried out in the All Orleans in his time, and nobody was coming out saying it about him. And I know we, Dublin have one more and stuff like that. And obviously, the, the narrative around the population, etc., and the money spent. But for me, um, I, I, that's not that's something I can't answer for him, like you know. But I would just add to what Connor said. He said the important people around it, um, and I'd add to that. I'd add the backroom team, like. We had such a strong culture and we had so much respect for a kit man, for an analysis guy, for we had so much respect for a scout that was going to watch other games. I really mean that. Um, and and every time we spoke after after any game and, and said that, 
we knew we know what representing a wider community. That also follows back to the club in terms of the coaches that we've had throughout uh, our, our um, juvenile kind of development. There, every person I've just mentioned there are volunteers. Every single person there we've mentioned are volunteers. There might be the odd person within the background team, an SNC or a psychologist to an extent. We didn't use them massively. Uh, a nutritionist, physio that would normally have to be paid to, to have, you know, that's their job. You won't get them in otherwise. If you don't, you just can't like get professionals in for free if you want to get a certain standard from the, those professions. But a huge amount of volunteers. So that that money that you see, the numbers you see, and that's kind of kickstart this conversation around finances. That money doesn't really translate into the into the intercounty scene in terms of those individuals getting paid. Huge amount of uh, the work that goes in are by volunteers, and nobody can argue that. Any county that comes out and says they pay their backroom team. There's not, there's nobody that can say it. It's just not possible. Like nobody would do it. So um having the benefit of somebody volunteering, self, self-motivated to come in for a bigger purpose culturally, because that's their county, that's their team, that's what they're there to do. They're there to bring that uh, level of energy up, not based off money, but based off the love of the county or the or, or, or the team. So what do you imagine the approach will be, Connor, as we wrap just like by uh, Meath coming into this game this weekend? I actually don't know. It's the first meeting of these teams where I find it hard to read because I think Dublin are in a small bit of transition in terms of their style. Um, they kicked the ball a lot the last day against Wexford and I think that that is a very deliberate thing. Um, they, they were working on that early on in the league and they were getting turned over a lot. So I think it's something that they've honed. Um, whereas Mead are a pretty kind of a hard running team. They're a very young team. And it, it, like I think like Andy McIntyre has been there a fair while, but he's nearly on his third team. He's had a huge turnover of players. So really, like these players, I think are going to be the players, the, some of the mid forwards that are there. Um, you know, fellas like Jordy Morrison. Like there, there, there's going to be a couple more of them who will be. I think the mid players who eventually go and beat Dublin, but I still think they're probably a bit raw now. Um, so like I suppose they'll probably that like the funny thing about these games is. There's very little tactically that you can't predict anymore. Every team sets up the same way nowadays. Like Derry, a couple of weeks ago against Tyrone, were slightly different. They got so many bodies back. But everybody just plays with a plus one um, just to make sure that they can't get caught on the counter-attack. And then it just depends on your, you know, your turnover rate, your scoring rate, your shot rate. But I just can't see it this weekend. I think with Dublin, would, if, if, if Brian Fenton is back to his best, as he hinted against Wexford, and if Khan O'Callaghan obviously is back to a level of fitness, I just think Dublin have far too much firepower for me because, as I said, even though Andy McAtee's been there a while, he has had to keep... I mean, he, he, he like this is really his third team, um, and I think they're probably a small bit raw yet to be thinking about beating Dublin. Billy? I think it comes back to the same point I made for the Dublin-Wexford game. It depends on what Dublin team shows up. You know, can they build on their rootless performance that they did against Wexford? So again, it comes back to um, the same the same thought process of we're playing against ourselves here. Can we beat our standards from the last game with a better opposition? I would think neither in a better opposition than than Wexford. Um, the league format shows that. So uh, from a Dublin perspective, it's that. 
And um, when they, if there's pub, if if made have a pub patch like they did in the third quarter last time they played them, how do they deal with that? Um, made can they contain certain individuals as Connor mentioned? Can they contain Fenton? Can they contain Connor Callan? And if that happens, then what Dublin players step up? So you can contain those boys, but then if a couple of others step up, there's a couple of other lads to come into the squad that have haven't played yet, like to Paddy Small who I think can light, light up the championship this year with game time. So, um, yeah, so for me, uh, for me, it's contain, containing individuals, containing Dublin, and then can they look, I suppose what Mead will be hoping for when they're looking at footage of Dublin this year is like, can they have a, can they expose Dublin like Monaghan exposed them, like Armagh exposed them um, in terms of the space in front of the full back line. I'm not sure Dublin will fall into that trap again. But for me, I do think um, it's all about Dublin and the standards they set up against themselves. I think there's, I think there's a point as well to be made that the, the youth for me is probably a good thing because like me, they've had some really bad days against Dublin in the last few years and the days where they could easily be kind of scarring for players. But, like you know, fellas like Jordan Morris and Jack O'Connor and Jason Scully and um, I, I think Shane Walsh might have only come off the bench the last day against Wicklow. They're pretty fresh now, and I think you know to, to I suppose to get a, a monkey off your back as big as Dublin are for me, I think you need players who who haven't gone through that too too often in the past and will show up on Sunday in Crow Park without any kind of psychological hang-ups about Dublin or any or any scarring from previous defeats. Okay, we'll see how we go, Philly and Connor. Thanks for that. You can read more from Philly in his column on Saturday's Irish Independent. Monday's throwing with Will and Michael will review this weekend's championship. You can rate, listen, follow on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week.